Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of in-the-trenches, tell-it-like-it-is reality therapy for personal, business, and real estate investing success. With your hosts, powerpreneurs, Angela Thomas and Ron Phillips, it's time to get real. Hi, and welcome to the Get Real podcast. Uh, This is Angela Thomas, and I'm here with Ron Phillips. And today, hey, Ron, how's it going? Well, really good. Good, good. All right, so today we are going to uh, get into some questions we've been hearing about the current real estate market. Um, And we're just kind of going to have a discussion about uh, what, you know, what questions people have had for us over the last year or two. Um, and you know, why or why not now is a good time. Is it a good time to buy? Is it not a good time to buy? Um, and why or why not? So we're going to get right into it here. So Ron, uh, first things first, um, a bunch of people have been asking us, we've heard that, um, you know, some, some areas are already starting to decline, um, especially in the, you know, California, New York kind of areas. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that has some people a little bit nervous. Um, so can you talk about that for a minute, what your thoughts are on that? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's basically normal, healthy real estate cycles. Um, I mean, they happen every eight to 10 years. And, you know, if you, if you started to look at some, some graphs or charts on, on those particular areas, you're going to see <laughs> that they've gone, that they've been, I mean, they've just gone up incredibly. And, and then oh, yeah. you combine with that the affordability index on those properties out there. And it's no wonder they're, they have to come down a little bit. Like nobody can afford to buy those houses. And um, I mean, that's, that's just a normal thing that happens. Uh, I think everybody's really scared that we're going to have, you know, 2008 all over again and all hell's going to break loose and right. you know, Armageddon, dogs and cats, you know, living together. It's going to be horrible, right? Well, that's very recent for all of us, you know, I mean, everyone at least, you know, my age and younger, uh, that's very, very recent for us and it's not a good memory. So, I mean, it makes sense. Everyone's freaking out a little bit like that. So, Um, but, you know, that being said, even if, you know, worst case scenario, if something like that was in our future, um, would it stop you from investing? Well, I, so I, I, was, uh, I was on Facebook earlier today and I saw a quote that I kind of liked. It said, uh, when somebody posed the question, when was the best time to buy real estate? And the guy said, uh, 30 years ago right. or, or today. Um, oh. And I think that's pretty accurate, right? So when, when was the best time to buy real estate? Well, I think if we all look back, we could say, okay, well, 2009 was a pretty good time, right? <laughs> That's a pretty good time to buy. Um, but, you know, we, we right. were buying then, we're buying now, we were buying before. Really, this is, this is a, it's less of an emotional question and more of a financial question, right? Do the numbers work? If the numbers work, then, then it's okay. Because you shouldn't be buying for appreciation. The reason people got in trouble before is because they were buying for appreciation and that's all they were looking at, right? There's four, four types of returns. We hammer on this all the time, Angela. Yep. You know, there's appreciation, yes. Um, but that's probably the, the one that you should look at least, in my opinion. Cash flow is the one that you should look at the most. 
Secondarily to that, there's principal reduction because you've got somebody in your place paying, paying your, your mortgage payment. So that means they're, they're increasing your equity spread every yeah. single month. Um, and then there's tax benefits. So there's four, there's four returns. The most important of those returns to get right is the cash flow part or the cash return. You know, right. uh, during the downturn, like if, if you bought a property in 2007, which a lot of our clients did, yep. and the downturn happened, so long as none of the rest of your properties that you bought on crazy negative amortization loans in, in Phoenix, Arizona, brought you to your knees, right. well, then you're okay, right? So if your property loses a little bit of value, uh, I mean, it, it sucks on paper, but it's not the end of the world because you're still getting positive cash. You're still getting a positive return, you know? Right, right. Okay, well, that's interesting. The other, you know, the other thing I think... Um, a lot of the people that live in those areas that are already starting to decline are concerned because, you know, investing in their area no longer makes sense. Um, and Ron, you've been teaching forever that you, you know, you live where you want and you invest where it makes sense. I've heard you say that since day one. So um, I think that's something else that's really important. I mean, it's a, it's a leap out of your comfort zone, but you have to look around the country for the areas that actually make sense to invest in. Uh, not just invest in your backyard and hope it works out, right? Yeah, and you know, <laughs> going back to the people, right? I mean, the, the, here's the, the craziest thing about, you know, talk about get real. Uh, yeah. Let's get real for a second and talk about the two most common types of investments that people use, right? So okay. the very same people who are concerned about the real estate market right now have a bunch of their money in the stock market, which has had the exact same, actually even a better run than the real estate market has had. Oh yeah. <laughs> there, and it's not a hard asset backing it up. And then you, you ask people like, well, you invest in the stock market. What is it that you're actually purchasing? Like what, what is the investment that's there? Well, you're buying shares in a company. Well, yep. is the company in your backyard? Can you go <laughs> hug it? Can you, can you kiss it and love that investment? And yet, people don't get so scared of that when there's literally nothing behind it. The, you can have a bad CEO and the thing is, and, and the company's gone. Right. And you don't know right? the CEO. You've never met him. I mean. Right. I mean, I guess if you do, great, good for you, yeah, right? I mean, if you can get in on an IPO, that's, that's a fantastic deal from a buddy of yours down the street and, and you can make it happen. Great. But nobody's ever lost money with the buddy down the street. So don't yeah, even worry. In, in an IPO. Don't right? even worry. Yeah. Um, but the same people are so scared of the, of the real estate market. And yet I, I would ask those same people, go find me a stock, go ask your, your stockbroker, find me a stock where number one, it can produce growth. So we have growth stocks and, and dividend producing stocks. Generally speaking, they're not the same animal. So go ask your, your stockbroker for a growth stock that also yields a dividend. Okay. And at this point, we won't even say that the dividend has to be double digits. Let's just say that it's a dividend period, right? So go right. find a growth stock that produces a dividend. Then tell them that not only do you want to do all of that, but you also want to be able to write it off on your taxes. Okay. And then after that, Tell him that you also want someone else to pay it off for you, right? So you want to buy on an option and you want to have someone else actually make the payments on the option for you long-term, not short-term. And 
All of that has to be available in the one stock that you pick. Go find that stock for me. <laughs> That's what I would ask for after seeing real estate returns. That's, yeah. So, I mean, Good luck. Good luck. the thing is, is, okay, so you miss out on some appreciation. And, and I did, a, right. I did a, a, another video where we went into a, a we took a, a, a property over a 10-year span, right? And we did it from the top of the market in 2008 moving forward 10 years. Because the question posed is, should I wait, right? That's the real question. Right. Should I, I think wait most forever? of the people who talk to us, Angela, they've made up their mind they want to do real estate, just trying to figure out how and when. Right, yep. So, mm-hmm. what I did was I said, okay, well, let's wait five years because now I can look back in history and I can say, okay, when is the, when is the actual bottom? When is the actual top? Let's do a 10-year run and we'll have somebody that waits until the bottom now, understanding that nobody can call the bottom, but let's just, because now we can go back and look right. and let's just see what happens with a normal property. And what people fail to realize is that while their money's parked for that five years, because the, the actual bottom in Kansas city were one of the proper areas that we would sell property. Mm-hmm. The actual bottom was in 2012. It hit finally at the, at the bottom and started to go back up 2012. Okay. Yeah. Now, that's a five-year wait, which is, which is crazy. Because while you have your money parked for five years, any of a number of things could happen. Interest rates could go up and wipe out what cash flow you could have had, right? Mm-hmm. Your money sitting in the bank is losing money to inflation, period, end of story. It just is, okay? And the 0.025 or whatever you're getting on your money is pathetic. It won't even buy a burger at the end of the year, all right? Mm-hmm. So right. those two things can happen along with a whole bunch of other things. All while you're waiting for this home run pitch, just like you want it over the plate. Meanwhile, for the last five years, the other people have been hitting singles and, and they're making money. And they're moving now, forward. Yeah. During that time, Angela, they lost yeah. money on paper. The appreciation rate, it actually depreciated, right? It went down in value. And then by the end of the 10 years, property value was up and they made money on appreciation over 10 years. But during that 10 years, they were also receiving the cash flow the whole time. Right. They were also receiving the tax benefits the whole time. And b- believe it or not, the, the, the property value, the, the, the principal reduction, I mean, that principal reduction is actually most beneficial from years six through 10, not one through five. So yeah. the person that waited is now bought a property and they're getting principal reduction at, and it's less because they're, they're basically paying mostly interest while the other person has now started to pay down principal at a, at a larger clip. And when you actually look at the two different scenarios, there's not a whole lot of difference between them. Yep. Huh. So, I mean. So I forget, do you remember how it ended? I mean, the, uh, the person yeah, who bought ended up ahead, right? That didn't wait. No, they were, they were almost identical. Oh, okay. was, they were almost identical. And that's using the worst downturn in, in history, right? In, our, in modern history that any of us that are alive investing in real estate can remember. Right. Right. And so, I mean, we're going to wait and hope that that happened, that that specific thing happens again and drags prices down that far so that we can hit a home run and we're going to wait. the same amount. Right. It's, 
it's kind of insanity when you actually break it all down to the ridiculous because, well, we don't have a crazy subprime mortgage thing happening right now. I mean, could, could something else like that happen? And could we have another 2008? Sure, I guess we could. But sitting around and waiting for it to happen while your money makes zero money, or worse yet, you have it in alternative investments like the stock market that have a better chance of having a massive drop than the real estate market does. Because right. let's not forget, folks, that back during 2008, real estate wasn't the only thing that took a hit. Remember, if you owned AIG stock, you were screwed. It wasn't that your property value got cut in half. It's that your, your entire portfolio, if it was in AIG, is gone. Tomorrow, like the next day, gone. Yeah. Well, that was getting real. Woo. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, Ron, did you want to go over any, you know, any more of these numbers? Or um, I know there were sp some specific people that we wanted to talk about that actually did invest before the crash that we know really well. Yeah, I mean, um, and, and I don't want to talk about specific numbers about their, their stuff, but I mean, Okay. We just happened to we just happened to have a client right now that we know very well. She's actually a really good friend of mine now, although she she started out just like everybody else did uh, as a client, and but she started out as a client in two thousand six. Um, bought in two thousand seven. I mean, basically top of the market almost. Um, still owns the property. She didn't lose the property. She didn't lose her shirt um, on that stuff, but then. She already understood real estate. And then when the market crashed, she very wisely purchased some, dupe, some fourplexes through us. Um, and she's now just sold that. We just completed part of her 1031 exchange. We still have half of her 1031 exchange to go. Um, but we've nearly, what she just sent me in text. Let me see what she said her, her cash flow went from. Um, so tell a joke. Real quick. So tell a joke. This is All right. Me. Way this to put me on the spot. I prepare this. Let me just. I know. Sorry. She actually sent this out the other day. You have to just get uh, the accurate numbers here. Here we go. She says, <clears throat> you both helped jumpstart 2019 from our 1031 exchange from $700 a month of cash flow to $2,000 a month cash flow. And, um, and we still have part of her 1031 to go. Right. Awesome. So, um, We've almost tripled it already. My guess is that we'll be, we'll be closer to um, quadrupling her cash flow, which is fantastic, right? And, and all of that from a, a $65,000 investment that she, she made once, and that investment has spawned all of this other, right? So go back to the stock portfolio. She had a growth stock that was producing really solid cash flow for her dividend. And as it grew, finally, we got to the point where we, we got to call these people and go, okay, we're close. to. I don't know if it's the top or not, but we're close, close enough that you should probably exit. And she exited. And now all of the money that she made on the growth part of the stock, we're just putting into more dividend producing stocks. We're, we're, we're tripling, quadrupling her dividend portion. And at the same time, we're getting into areas where she could have some growth. Not the same thing she's going to have out West like she had in 2009 when she bought right. or whatever yeah. it was. Right. But, but still decent, decent little appreciation um, over time. Cool. And, and that's not atypical. No, um, we have many stories like that, but um, so Ron, since we're talking about the current state of the market, um, 
do you have any advice you'd like to share about, you know, what the best areas you're seeing right now are and what you'd look for if, you know, if you were looking for an area to invest in in sure. 2019? Let me, let me say one more thing since, since we're getting yeah. real. Let me say one more thing about um, her properties because she owned several different properties, right? One of them she just sold and we're 1031ing it as well, but it was not as stellar of a performer. Um, you know, she had quite a bit of turnover and, you know, every time it turned over, she had expenses and chewed up a lot of her cash flow. I mean, so if you actually looked at the numbers, it, it didn't operate the same as the other one. Um, and yeah, it's kind of a downer, but the reality of the situation is that it, it was always positive and, um, and she's selling it and we're 1031 into other properties with, with that property too. So, because you have the four returns, it takes a lot of damage to your pro, you know, to 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 those returns and to each one of those returns to completely obliterate your your returns. If that makes sense, I don't know if I said that. No, I mean, well, I don't know if it did to everyone else, but I, I mean, yeah, it did. Even if you have horrible tenants and a lot of turnover and damage to your property and stuff, because you have those four separate returns. Um, a lot of times you come out still ahead, right? It takes right. quite a bit to end up actually, you know, not making a return. <laughs> yeah. And when you, have all, when you have several different properties, it eases the burden that the one property can put on the other ones, right? Um, and so, you know, it's not all sunshine and lollipops in real estate world. I think we said that on, on every single one of these. We're just going to keep episodes. saying that. Yeah. It's not. Um, no. But over time, it, it kills any other type of investment. Um, that, that I've ever seen. And yeah. it's because of the four returns. Because if, if two of those don't perform, I still have one or two. If the government right. takes away the taxes, I still have three. You know, right. There's, right. there's just ways that it's going to work. Uh, and then I, I think the other thing that people don't, don't really understand, they don't get in their heads, is that when you're looking long-term, if you're looking on a 10-year projection, right? If you're, gonna, if you're not flipping properties, if you're buying these to hold them long-term for cash flow, the compound effect, the compounding of interest on a 10-year is not, it's not like a, a, a it's not a flat curve, right? It, it, it spikes. And towards the end of the 10 years is when you make most of your money. It's the same thing I was talking about with the principal reduction, Angela. Yep. Well, it's the same way on with returns on the other end of the spectrum, right? I mean, if you, for instance, I, if you invested $100,000 and it was making 15% total and you did that for 10 years um, versus somebody who wanted to wait three years, let's say, for the real estate market to collapse or two years or whatever it is. If three years is worth a hundred thousand dollars. So you, you didn't lose the opportunity cost, I guess, that you would lose is massive. So if you lose a hundred thousand dollars, you have to make that up somewhere in the investment. In other words, the investment has to be so much better in order to make up that hundred thousand dollars that it was worth the three year wait. And when you can buy properties that that still produce in today's market. Uh, double-digit cash on, cash on cash returns plus another three to five percent with principal reduction, and you know, potentially. I mean, at this point in the market, I'd say appreciation is is probably not going to happen, but potentially a couple of points of appreciation um, plus tax benefits. When you roll all those numbers together, that's a I mean, that's a pretty solid return. 
Um, and so I, I, I think people just need to start looking at this a little bit more logically than they do emotionally right. where the news is scaring the hell out of everybody about everything. Um, but no. I, I mean, the people on the people on TV are all invested in the stock market and they, they want to make the, they want to make moves with the stock market to make themselves wealthy. Right. You got to consider the source just a little bit. You have to consider the source here too, because I'm a real estate guy for keeping it real. Yep. Um, I, I hate the stock market. You're not going to ever hear me say anything really good, positive about it. But if you want to buy in the stock market, the same thing, the time was to buy in the stock market was after it crashed when everybody was selling everything. Right. Hey, so since I, uh, I teased everybody a little bit there and said, um, it asked if you could share us, you know, share with us what you look for, what you're looking for right now in this market. Uh, would you mind? I know we're going to talk about that in another episode, but do you mind going over that for just a second? Yeah. So the same exact thing that we did back in 2007 and eight, 2007 and eight, everything on the coast started to get way too expensive and it's all a numbers game, right? So, uh, Talk about Phoenix, for instance, like in, in Phoenix, we sold and in Boise and in some of those areas out West, we sold from 2009 until around 2012, 2013, maybe even 2014 in some of those markets. Well, the price, once the prices start to go up and the, and the rental rates don't go up, the lease rates don't go up correspondingly, yeah. it gets to a point where the numbers don't work anymore. And then you have to move further inland. You have to move into the Midwest. And in the Midwest, it's pretty stable. The rents are pretty high compared to the prices. You can cash flow pretty much in all the time in any market. Um, obviously, if you bought in 2009, you're going to cash flow better than you are today. I mean, that's right. just a given, right? Um, unfortunately, okay. I couldn't talk people into buying in 2009. It was ridiculously, <laughs> I mean, it was so hard because everybody's so scared of real estate. Mm -hmm. And yet the numbers were magical back then. Um, they looked made up. That was part of it. They know? really did. I mean, it was, <laughs> the numbers were so staggeringly it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but the people who bought back then, I mean, good Lord, they hit home runs, right? Yes, they did. But all you need is a few singles. You still score. So Amen. Uh, keep Thanks. that, keep that in mind. So in the Midwest, you know, marketplaces that we're, that we're in, um, and this is not an exhaustive list of all of the good markets by any stretch, but the ones that we're in, uh, you know, Kansas City, Memphis, Indianapolis, um, places like that, right? There's a whole bunch of them. What do you call them, Ron? Boring markets? They're yeah. just, yeah, man. They're, there's Good nothing old boring exciting, markets. Nothing exciting happening unless you're out cow tipping or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Haven't done that yet. We'll have to do that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. thanks, Ron. Um, yeah, I think unless you have anything else to say on it, I think that's great. Um, if any of you have any questions about what Ron talked about or, you know, would like us to hit on another subject, please uh, go check us out at getrealestatesuccess.com um, and give us feedback, subscribe to our podcast and let us know what else you'd like to hear about. Um, and next week we are going to be talking about um, everyone's favorite question. Uh, can I invest in real estate with no money of my own? So make sure you look yeah. out for that. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the get real answers on that next, next, next segment. Yeah. It may be painful. All right. Well, thanks Ron. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Thanks, thanks guys. Everybody. This has been the get real podcast to subscribe. And for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to get